Welcome to the Alt Asset Allocation Podcast. Exploring alternative investment opportunities available to the everyday investor. Here's your host, Ben Lakoff. Hello and welcome to the Alt Asset Allocation Podcast. Today's interview is with Les Forsyth. Les is a GP at NFT Fund from Wave Financial here in LA. I've known Les for quite some time now and know that he's quite an early adopter in the crypto world, and he is very deep in the NFT space. In this episode, we chat all about the state of the NFT market and some of the possible paths for it to go from here. I'm also starting to do a lot of these podcasts live on Twitter spaces. I do them from my personal account, at Ben Lakoff, as well as the podcast account, at Invest in Alts. Hope you can join one of these and ask questions. I'm cutting out the questions for now for the podcast form, but maybe I'll add those in a bit later. But please join. They're super fun. Before you listen, please don't forget to like or subscribe to the podcast or even better, leave a review. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel and or give the video a thumbs up. This helps more people find the podcast and really keeps this thing going. All right. Enjoy this podcast episode with Les of Wave Financial on all things NFT. Les, welcome to the Alt Asset Allocation Podcast. Excited to have you on. I'm excited to actually do this with you because you know how much I love everything you're involved in. Yeah. Thank you, sir. It's been, I, well, I've known you for a while now. I mean, I met you right in the, the, the mid of COVID. I remember we had our meeting and you had me sit about 25 feet away from you on the other side of the, the, the table for safety purposes with COVID. I'm, I'm glad that the next time we run into each other, it won't be uh, nearly as terrible, like peak fear uh, part of COVID. That's for sure. <laughs> the, funny, the funny thing is, is how much, you know, in my head, everything's changed. I took a vacation this weekend, you know, if you want to call Las Vegas a vacation. And I don't think anything's changed with the whole COVID thing, but I sure felt a lot more secure being around a bunch of drunk people. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's well, it's it's crazy wherever you are kind of varies in the how people feel about it. But yeah, no, that's 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 for sure. Well, I, I, at risk of going off on a tangent on COVID for a long time, let's uh, let's kick this thing off a little bit intro about you and how you got into the NFT world where you are now. You know, it's so funny. You know, I've told this story a few times and I'm wondering if it's just going to bore the shit out of people pretty soon. But the story is the story. My background was primarily in entertainment. And I think, you know, it's funny when, you, when you're a young person, all you want to do is figure out a way to get into entertainment, at least, you know, in 1988 or 1989. It was like, oh, those people are going to a Grammy show. That looks like fun. How do I get into that business? And I guess the answer in my case was you run away from home and try to figure out how to make a living by borrowing warehouses and throwing parties because that seemed like the best way to make a living at the time. Kind of rolls into, of course, you know, I was doing something a little bit different. So I got hired by a concert promotion company because that's what they care about. Better business models. That was my first disruption, I suppose. But, you know, as I kind of stayed in the, in the music business and, and watched it change and you know, I watched it not really embrace innovation. And this was like, you know, watching things like the Napster guys come around and, and just not be supported. People cared more about the content that they owned at these labels and wanted to defend it through holding back. 
And I always thought it would have been more interesting to get to the innovation quicker. And I think, you know, the fact that it took so long to get these streaming services was partially a fault of the labels and, you know, the people who didn't want to embrace this innovation. And that always pissed me off because I thought they should have. And they were just holding back this great thing. And it's a long answer of how you got into NFTs. But I think it's important because it really crafted my thinking. So after kind of all the music stuff, it was 2013. And I didn't want to spend $200 on Bitcoin. It was far too risky. So I said, I'm going to find another one. And I spent a lot of time kind of staying up and looking at Reddit and Reddit groups. And somehow I I discovered this kid. I think his name was Jared Sims. I'd have to go back and check. But he had created this wallet called Peer Cover. And it was the first XRP wallet. So I met Jared and I ended up, you know, getting the chance to miss, you know, meet Chris Larson. And somehow through just pure charm, I convinced him to uh, let me be an advisor to Ripple, which is looking better these days, considering their positions improving. And then 2014, I did the Ethereum pre-sale. And again, you know, the component here that's really comparable to the music business is community. And I started building a community in crypto. And as 17 came along and we saw all the ICOs that I, you know, got involved in, the crypto punk moment happened. So I was fortunate enough to get one of those and I'm fortunate enough to lose it. Although my friends who I told, you know, to buy a few did. So my first purchase was crypto punk. My second purchase was a whole bunch of crypto kitties. I didn't lose those, but they weren't very good. So it's the point when people figure out the 721 standard and the crypto kitty connection, maybe there'll be some value there, but that's how I got into it. And really it was just trolling online for lots of hours and figuring out what was out there. Oh yeah. I say doing weird crypto things with my internet friends, you know, those late night sessions, but that's sometimes when you find out some really, really uncovered gem, amazing backstory and kind of how, how you ended up where you are now looking at the NFT landscape, knowing that you've been through this speculative euphoria of 2017. I mean, let's, let's start off with just the state of the NFT market right now, and this is being recorded end of March, 2022. Well, I mean, it's a good day for me to talk about the NFT market because I was fortunate enough to buy apes and, you know, they are the gift that continues giving and I I love what they're doing. You know, the fact that so much has happened with over the last handful of weeks, whether it's, you know, the Larva Labs purchase, and and that's really cool because it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the rights with me bits and the punks. Obviously, ApeCoin, the thing everyone's talking about this week, the Animoco component. I mean, it's just so thought out. And I think it's just going to help the space. And it's just so great to be able to see, you know, how different it is today from 17. I mean, I think a lot of people had questions about what this was about. and, And I just look at it kind of vastly different. At least I think I do. I tell myself I do. But I'm not really super, super interested in a lot of the one-of-ones necessarily at this point, but I'm kind of interested in the economy as a whole and the kind of vertical integration from different companies and, and different platforms to create this single, everything we look at. And I could talk about that for hours, but I'll just pause there before I go too deep. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, the, there's a ton going on and for the listeners. So Bored Ape 
Yacht Club, the company behind them, Yuga Labs, ended up buying Punks, which was like the iconic PFP of the industry, and then launched a token shortly thereafter. So I think I read somewhere that every board ape purchase, so originally for 0.08 ETH, ended up being about almost $500,000. And it's like the gift that keeps on giving. So because of the mutant and, and the ape coin and all of this. So it's, these are real life changing sums of money for people. I'm curious, have you seen the uh, YouTube video line goes up? Which YouTube video? It's called either line goes up or number goes up. Uh, is it like a skeptic's take on crypto and NFTs? No, I, you know, I don't really watch the skeptics take because, I mean, I just hear it so often and, you know, too much of a good thing. I mean, you, I try to limit my skeptics to like one a day. So no, <laughs> no fair. Well, I mean, I, so for me, I, I'm kind of always stuck in my echo chamber of true believers, people that believe in the space. So I, I like to hear people that say, you know, this whole thing is hogwash. It has a, a, a bit of like the financialization of everything, the focus mm -hmm. on price, so, you know, these valid, valid concerns. But I'm curious, like from your perspective, being excited about the space overall, I mean, what gets you, you talked about the vertical integration, but wh where could we be like our blind spots in this utopian vision of crypto eats the world sort of thing? I mean, look, there, I, I think the blind spots, you know, aren't really blind spots. I think we know the volatility is an issue. We know, you know, there's regulatory issues. We know, like other markets, there's, you know, a, a ton of market issues. But I don't look at that either. And it's funny because as I've gotten a little bit older, I think I've become more of an optimist. And, you know, being a guy, you know, who left home when, well, I think, you know, it's funny. I was talking to my mom. She said, I actually left home at 14. The first time. So I think, you know, always having that kind of rebellious spirit, you know, you, you, when we go back and kind of really take a look at like Eric Hughes and Tim May, you know, the, the cypherpunk manifesto and all that stuff, which I really, you know, I, for, you know, I'm always drawn to that rebellion. And I take a look at what's happening today. And Wall Street bets was that moment for me. The fact that someone gamified banking or a group on Reddit you know, gamified banking to go long, you know, on the hedge funds. I thought that was funny. Maybe not to some people, but I really thought it was interesting and it was funny because I don't, I don't think we've ever seen that, you know, a group of people kind of the hive mind, as Jeeb says, um, you know, coming together collectively to, to gamify banking. And when I take a look at the economy that's being built, that's why the PFP drops are so interesting to me it's the volume of what's being dropped and the secondary sales and the air drops and when we take a look at that kind of expanding you know into larger geographies cross chain it's really really robust so when you talk about you know what are the pitfalls that hit my blind spot well i kind of look at how fast innovation is happening with this kind of robust economy that's been created so that makes me wonder pretty closely about the regulatory stuff and if it has the ability to catch up, which it doesn't, you know, in the same way. Because, I mean, we have layer ones here and layer twos and, you know, all the cross-chain stuff and DeFi and play to earn and stable coins and soon create to earn and everything else that's coming. And it's global. And it goes back to, 
you know, your skeptics comment. The fact of the matter is, is everyone thought Bitcoin was going away because only, you know, vagabonds, thieves and terrorists used it, along with cash, of course. But the fact is, Bitcoin has had to weather some pretty incredible situations, whether it's, you know, being illegal in China, along with other cryptocurrencies or Mt. Gox. And it seemed to weather all of that. So when you ask about the blind spots, I mean, what are the other blind spots? The technology completely breaking down? I think we know what the blind spots are. I mean, currency has been around a long time. <laughs> so, yeah, it has. No, and I mean, you bring up a great point of the, the, the whole gamification of banking that us versus them is super super powerful and i almost see crypto as like an entire movement centered around that it's like rebuild the banking system on this this more fair decentralized version so it's very very powerful and you know i actually i think we should take a a, a half step back we talked about your background and how you got into the space but i think highly relevant for this conversation would be a little bit more about what you're doing now with Wave Financial and in that role. Well, it's interesting, you know, being in entertainment, as long as I've been in entertainment, I think it's always everyone's goal who is in entertainment to get the fuck out. And I think I tried to do that for a long time. So, (laughs) you know, when all, you know, my friend always used to say, hey, Les, if the music business doesn't work out, don't worry, there's always a movie business. And, you know, for me, it was just... I wanted to do something that was completely different. And, and it's going to sound like a joke in some ways, but finance was, you know, being a manager, you, you do think about finance for an artist and what they're doing, what their future looks like. This was much more interesting because it was just something I'd never done. And, you know, I partnered with David Seymour and David Seymour had done it. And we had a friendship before and we started a company called Wave Financial and out of the box, we were regulated as an RIA in California and then the SEC. And really what WAVE is, is venture funds that do early seed stage investment um, in blockchain and crypto companies. And we've been doing that since the end of 2017. An ecosystem fund for Cardano, which really you know, g- goes to and speaks to all of the interesting things that are happening in that world. And then treasury management for high net worth and protocols, which we've been really successful at. That's been fun. And then creating fun products, really just financial products that are, you know, based on Bitcoin or ETH or other native tokens that are wrapped in a fund structure that are more traditional in nature. And most recently we launched the NFT fund, which I didn't really want to do, but my partners, you know, Ben and Dave, said, you should really do this. And I'm like, why? I don't get it. What's it have to do with what we do? And finally, they're like, do we need to explain to you that art's an asset? You're an asset manager? And I'm like, all right. And we ended up doing it. And, you know, in a different way, Veg Surfer and Jeebs and these guys that are so important to the whole ecosystem, you know, do a fine job of running that product. And I mean, I'm just kind of obsessed by it because I stay up all night looking at this stuff and i'm just fascinated with what's coming next but these guys really do and it was just a different way to approach it you know to have these guys at the helm that really understood what was coming next and what projects are really good and i think that's why we're we're having so much success i mean lord knows it's not me (laughs) so (laughs) 
Well, I, I, with the NFT fund in particular, let's talk about the investment thesis or style or how that's kind of run from a fund perspective. Well, I mean, I always loved the collectible component. And so it's 70% collectibles. It's 30%, uh, give or take, uh, equities, you know, liquid equities, collectible side. And, and this is the good thing about, you know, being collaborative with people. You know, I would say Veg, you know, likes some of the fine art stuff better, which which I like. You know, I, I definitely love the Aversano stuff. And I definitely love some of the empowerment stuff that he's drawn to because that's a big tenant of all this for me to sell art in this world because it is art too. It's about building community. And, and that's the thing you can't do with the traditional art world. So if you build a community, it doesn't matter who you are. You can actually do what you love. And, you know, this is a vehicle to help you bolster your career and make some extra money. And I think that's really cool. I, I guess I like the projects that are a little more wacky. And I think, Definitely, I'm a little more scattered with the things that I like. I don't know. I think I just like buying shit, to be honest with you. <laughs> might, <laughs> might not even be that I like any of it. You know, it's like, oh, hey, those crypto covens, they're cool. Let me get some of those. Oh, wait, those killer girlfriends? No, 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 the small brains. <laughs> it's like, I love what, it. What, what, so, what's some of the things you hear yourself saying in the yeah, NFT. Yeah, I'm space 53 just... years old. I literally <laughs> yeah. am 53 years old. And I think I just said, oh, yeah, those killer girlfriends. Yeah, they're awesome because they're like anime assassins. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I found myself talk, telling my buddy, you know, to buy a fluff because then you can claim a thingy and that gets you a free mint into the party bear, which will unlock the burrows. And it's like, yeah. What the hell did I just say, man? Well, yeah, I guess I guess if you're going to go totally vertical, what you forgot is ASM in the brain. But, well, yeah, but, but, but yeah, who's paying exactly. attention? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you know, of course, you'll you'll be able to get your seeker and and, and drug receipts. It's all. And, yeah. and how sad is it? Out of everything we just mentioned, I have multiples of all of them. So it's same, same. Yeah. So I, I I'm curious when talking to investors. Like, obviously, there's a bit of if they don't get it, then the fund's not for them, I'm sure. But like people over the line of if they mm -hmm. just don't get it, because they still have those conversations I, and they say, you know, I've listened to your podcast. I, I know, but I, I just don't get it. What do you, it, what do, it's you do to get it? It's, a, it's exactly the opposite. And to be honest with you, I mean, to get, tell you where my head's at, all my friends were pissed. I didn't tell them about like the wave funds. And I'm like, I didn't want to take your money. They're like. We're adults. We'll give you money if we want to give it to you. It's not your call. So, you know, when I'm talking to someone who may or may not want to invest, it's not a pitch for me. I, you know, I really don't give a shit, which is counterintuitive, but I just want to educate them, you know, with what I know and, and tell them I may be right, I may be wrong, but this is the way I see it. And I think the curiosity and the fact that I spend so much time learning and looking at what's happening is the part that really energizes people to be involved and invest. I mean, I never dreamt that this fast, it would be up as much as it is. And we would have protocols invested in the fund and corporates, corporates invested. I said it twice because I still can't kind of believe it, you know, but when I asked them, and this is a traditional company, it wasn't a crypto company, 
And I'm like, why, why do you, why? And they're like, because we don't know. So it's exactly the opposite. It's what they don't know that makes them invest. Well, and a, a fair bit of trust, right? They because yeah. of your reputation and the fund, they they recognize that you wouldn't just jump right into this thing without thinking through it a little bit more closely than number go up. We need a, a slice, right? Yeah. Note to self: let them know I would just jump into it because it looked cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I, I mean, on that topic, like. Uh, Everybody's a bull market genius. The The NFT world is shifting and tons of like, you know, whatever the, the NFT market uh, is alive and dies every other week. But let's mm. just pretend that it's a still raging bull market. When looking at collection collectibles, which make up like 70% of the fund, how do you determine investability, duration of holding, when to sell? Like, what are what are oh, kind of the this investment is, criteria? There? Oh God, this is a, this is an easy answer. You know, look, I mean, in terms of the criteria, a lot of the the DNA of our company is venture. So, the guys there understand diligence. You look at the team, you can get a pretty good read on a team that's had success and a team that actually has a thoughtful roadmap with good engineers. You know that that part is kind of just arithmetic. I think when we go back to this thesis of community, you know, when I was young, I was talking to someone about this yesterday. You know, I got to see, you guys are all too young for this, but Nirvana at the Roxy. And, you know, the ability to see Kurt Cobain play for 500 people before he played at the Forum was really, really cool. And it was just because I was part of a community that told me it was happening. And, I do believe, like in this new world, the metaverse and IRL, you know, and Web3, I mean, there really are no walls up. It's all of the same thing in some ways. And to live in Discord is not unlike going to some of those clubs, you know, where you socialize, you're just doing it online. Or, you know, when you have these immersive experiences and show off your on cyber gallery. All of that is just a new way of thinking, but it's still the same behavior. We adapted during COVID really well to taking meetings on Zoom. And after a while, it felt normal. It didn't feel any different. And for someone like me that loves to isolate, it was actually better. So I think being part of the community and connecting with the people that are creating that you're drawn to is the way we, we really look at projects. And... Every now and then there'll be something we just love that we'll get involved in. And we will, you know, at least on the PFP side, when it's a bigger drop, sometimes we'll cover the cost basis. But by nature, a collectible is something we want to hold. It's called a collectible for a reason. To get out of positions, it's, it's really easy. Don't talk to me about it because I'm that idiot that won't sell anything ever. I think per personally, <laughs> you know, personally, I have so many of these things now. But when we started the fund, the fund took first priority on everything. And thank God, you know, Veg and Jeeves are there because they actually like to get out of positions and they know when to do it. And it's also a matter of just knowing what's happening, you know, around the company and the market, what's coming next. And it, it's a little bit tricky because, you know, for instance, artifacts, right? Buying those virtual sneakers and buying those sneakers because you had a punk for what three three thousand bucks or something, and then holding it, and then I think in the midst of it, someone offered me like one hundred and forty grand or something. 
And of course, you know, that's me. I don't sell anything. <laughs> and I didn't know why I was being offered so much money. You know, someone obviously knew something or just liked the virtual sneakers and the real sneakers. And I held on to it. And then I ended up getting six clones. And I just love how all that stuff's not interconnected. And, you know, it's not about the money necessarily in that case, but it, but it's cool to have the loyalty, you know, because it, it, that's another thing. It's a disruption of, you know, loyalty programs. And these, this younger generation, you know, having the ability to have resources to innovate. And, and again, for the skeptics, you know, there's a lot of innovation happening. And, you know, Ben, you know about this better than anyone because you're one of those guys. And if you had to go pitch to Andreessen versus doing it the way you're doing it, I'm pretty sure I know what's easier. You know, Ben, why don't you talk to that? Look, I'm moderating you now. No, it's it's totally true, but especially with these uh, pre-seed rounds at like yeah. 50 million or or yeah. up. It's it's crazy. Well, yeah, it's a different way of thinking. So, if you feel like you want to innovate, and you know you do have this streak in you that just wants to create without the bullshit, like I don't know, you know, it's like, and having to pitch to a VC is really messed up sometimes. You know, I had to do that when I was younger and it sucked. And then having to report in, you know, once you got the money. God, I hated that. I mean, it's just so much fun, to, more fun to do things and have an audience support it, you know, versus mom and dad with the checkbook. Like, fuck that. You know, that's that's a very, that's something a lot of founders that I talk to a, a lot about is the the philosophy of raising funds that it's no longer just you driving the ship, you know, you want to pivot and do whatever else that's completely opposite from what you're doing. Now you can, you have other stakeholders who have a vested interest in you and the vision that you pitch. So that's, that's very important for people when thinking about that. That's for sure. and, and, And I feel really bad because like Twitter is an example, right? I get people reaching out all the time and, and as it's gotten busier, you know, it's funny, like I have this like sympathetic side to it now because like I always used to get so pissed off with people who didn't answer. And it's like, I sent a fucking email, you didn't answer. And what I'm realizing is it's hard to answer all of them, but you want to. And I gotta, I gotta be better about that because like I actually don't care where it comes from. You know, I'm not that way. I just wanna kind of see and hear about what people are doing and and I owe so many people emails and I swear to God, I'm going to get to them all <laughs> at some point, but you know, it, it doesn't make me feel bad that you can't, but that's why they're doing things the way they're doing them. And the part that I love about all of this is, you know, we heard for so long that the boomers, you know, had left the worst economy in the world to this generation. I guess this generation said, go fuck yourself. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I mean, that's a big part of this movement, right? This uh, counterculture, this kind of uh, us versus them, which, yeah. again, I think is super, super powerful. When, when, like, circling back to PFPs, I mean, is there is there any sort of style or aesthetic that you guys at the fund are particularly drawn to, or, or is it just kind of based on the community yeah, I mean, and things? I mean, the last, look, when I bought that Azuki, I bought it clearly because that brown fluffy hair looked like mine when I was a kid. So I was feeling nostalgic. Yeah, there's always something you're drawn to and, and there's ones you miss. And then, you know, there's the ones you 
sell and you shouldn't sell. But I remember minting, you know, World of Women, you know, and I got rid of those and, and I'm pissed. Those were great. And, you know, Fame Lady Squad it is, I guess. I kept those. But, I mean, that's how it is for me. That's not how it is for the guys who, you know, run the fund. I mean, I think they're much more methodical. They understand what the roadmap looks like. They understand what the functionality is. And, and the things that I'm really into now are the gala stuff, you know, what they're doing, what the play to earn and what that's going to become. I love influence. You know, I remember just staying on that and trolling asteroids with the crew, you know, that were NFTs. So there's a whole bunch of nostalgic stuff coming back, like Dope Wars and everything they're doing with that's cool. And it's in the part that really, from another philosophical standpoint, that's so cool for me to watch is, you know, how, how are the Microsofts, you know, with their acquisitions going to compete in this world when, you know, these other companies are doing something vastly different. And is it just going to splinter the market? Probably. But I, I, I just don't see Microsoft taking crypto risk. Whereas, you know, the risk takers throughout history, we, we, we've seen them really end up excelling because they took risks as things change. Yeah. Although I have started to see Microsoft on two cap tables of companies that I've invested in. So they're well, maybe waiting into this space. Well, no, yeah. no, I mean, just of all the companies, I, oddly enough, they've popped up twice now, which I thought was uh, pretty crazy. I'm, so the NFT space, collectibles is obviously a big focus. I'm curious with your background. I mean, what is your stance on music NFTs or in general? Uh, that's such a loaded question for me, especially. A couple of the music things I've done. When I got reengaged deeply into NFTs, again, it was this, you know, convergence of ideas of what an nft could be and it was avogachi that i became an advisor for and i and i you know i was instrumental in putting little pump into that game because little pump was a funny meme for them so we did little pump wearables and i thought that was i thought you know we bought that blau track and we got rid of it pretty quickly we wanted to hold on to it to be honest with you but it was just such a good deal in such a short amount of time that we wanted the artist to benefit kind of in the spirit of collaboration. But what I really wanted to do is reg the offering with it and just create, you know, collaborations and multiple versions. Because I know a fair amount about music rights. I wanted to do things that had nothing to do with the way music business licenses music because I thought that was interesting. And really now, I mean, I wouldn't want to do anything with it because I've spent so much time in music, but there are disruptive thoughts I have in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do, you know, as it relates to streaming services and rights. And that's why, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier, the whole crypto punk rights and board ape rights, the way they flow, it's going to be really interesting to see how you can benefit from those as the guy that owns it. So that's the stuff I'm really excited about too. Yeah. And it's definitely still early days on a lot of that. And a lot of these things are, Promising the moons, but we still got to take baby steps in a number of ways, especially with regulations and the unfortunate fun things like that. I'm curious. Well, you know, on the regulation, you know, you saw, you know, they're going to be looking at NFTs. And, and I think it's not as hard as everyone makes it out to be. I mean, you kind of know when it crosses the line to be a security and when it's collectible. 
And I think that comes down to the way the investment works and, you know, are you tokenizing it or not? And, you know, the whole, the whole thing about it is, is I'm not afraid of that because I think you can color within the lines and still be really innovative. And I, I think it's important to have the regulatory uh, framework mapped out, but we're not seeing that now. I, I guess, you know, non-regulation is the greatest form of regulation. Yeah, that's for sure. I So everybody always says the space needs regulation. You could wave a magic wand and change something from a regulatory standpoint. What would it be that would be like the catalyst to kind of help help clarify this for people? Or what do they mean when they say the space needs regulation? I I, look, I mean, when you have regulation, you know, you know exactly how to to work in your field. The lines are specific when it's left really kind of ambiguous. It, it it creates a pause, and I think it allows for time for the regulators to kind of figure out how they want to approach it and what the next move is. But I would say that the part that concerns me is I think they're still thinking about, you know, layer ones and stable coins. And the gap in timing, I just don't know how to catch, you know, everything that's happening. I mean, this stuff is global. You know, when I buy an X-Rabbit or, you know, a ready player cat out of china you know what my wallet allows me to buy it <laughs> so and nfts are legal in china and cryptocurrency is not so the global component complicates it further when we think about the regulatory components and you know look if the worst thing in the world happened and all of a sudden someone woke up and said nfts are illegal here in the united states i mean it's really a terrible thought because Where's the innovation going to happen then? Where are you pushing it? And why would you want to do that? And it's so funny because so much of it is about consumer protection. But when the SEC gets involved, the people that get really hurt are the consumers in most cases. If the companies have enough money to defend themselves, they're not getting hurt. It's the consumers that have invested in that company. Whether it's a utility or security, they're getting hurt. So that's the problem, you know with not having clear regulatory frameworks. Yeah, definitely, definitely uh, agree. And there's quite a bit of game theory, you know, if the US makes it illegal and pushes it out, what what happens globally? Because it's, you can't really stamp it out. You can put the genie back no. in the bottle. So it's gonna happen somewhere. Well, I, and I think the, the executive order, you know, was a lot more positive than anyone expected. I think everyone expected, you know, the sky was falling when that thing was coming. And it actually was relatively optimistic. And to be honest, I mean, look, we see Goldman making an announcement. We see Charles Schwab. It's why we got in the space when we did. We knew it would happen. That was our bet. And we got into the space at the right time. And now it's happened. Everyone has position. You know, when Ed Hahn and Al Kesh at Bank of America put out a report on cryptocurrencies, I mean, that's the most you know, known bank. In the- so it's definitely headed in that direction. And as you said, you, you said the genie left the bottle. I'll just say the train left the station just to be different. Big, big Aladdin fan, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you spend a lot of time staying up late, deep in the discords. Let's, and of course, this is not financial advice, et cetera, et cetera. Not expression of your fund, but you as a human, what are you obsessed with right now within the NFT space? I, I, I'll tell you what I'm not obsessed with, Discord. 
I actually nah, don't fair. like Discord. <laughs> like, I've had more problems. Like, I'm not very good technically anyway. Discord is just so fucking hard most of the time. And I don't want to be in Discord. I find myself kind of more trolling around OpenSea and Twitter and Telegram. You know, all the Telegram groups. That's fun. But let's see. What did I buy recently? I love the cryptodes. I, I seem to keep buying those. They're just so cool. And Grumplin' Human. So I love those. I'm trying to think of what else I bought. Every now and then I'll just buy some weird thing. I almost need to open up my computer to see. But I bought some of those crypto covens that we were talking about. I like those. I like the witchiness <laughs> of those. I want to get some more of those, actually. I keep threatening to go get some more World of Women. I just haven't done it yet. But I really love trying to think. The Riot Girls, you know, Nadia's thing bought those recently i mean none of this is speculation this is stuff that i bought i'm not really talking about what the fund has bought which i guess i could you know the fund has definitely bought some things that are uh different and, and i'm just trying to think we bought these after party pass which were interesting i don't think i can get to the to the fund purchases quick enough for you but i think i can look at mine just real quick so we can talk about what i've gotten lately. yeah I've seen you tweeting about cryptodes. I, I figured there was some sort of speculation about I like them. Labs. No, just just like I just the like pixelated them. toads. <laughs> I, I, I love the pixelated toads. I, you know, I wanted to. You know, I minted those too, and I wanted to get a hoodie, and I finally got one. Look, here's something I got the other day, just because I liked it. And it, it, I know nothing about this project. Actually, this is a personal buy, not a fun buy. But the Alpha Skulls, it's, it's called Genesis Force. I don't know. I just really, really like those for something, for some reason. And then I bought these Astro Girls for fun and these Ghost Friends. I mean, none of these are investments, you know? These were just things I, I kind of liked and, and wanted to buy. The Hero Galaxy Heroes. <laughs> I, you know, these aren't the investments. I, go, I guess if we look at, you know, what the fund but it's a kind of a very different thesis. I'm not really driving what the what the fund purchases are most of the time. But if you look at the collectible stuff, it, it's frenzies and, and obviously the artifact stuff. And, and we, we love the Forgotten Rune Wizards. I know the fund has a bunch of those and cool cats. And yeah, I mean, a lot of interesting collectibles and a lot of interesting kind of equity deals. Is the BFF friendship bracelets. Apparently we got a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even seen those. It's, it's it's funny how some of these things just completely fly by you in the space. There's just too much to keep track of it all. I, but stay up late enough, and you'll see it all, and you'll just be like, "Oh wait, I want those." And you know that's the funny thing about it. I remember like early on, I bought these crypto corgis, and I think I bought like I don't know how many I got. I got so many of them. And they ultimately just like went to nothing. But that's the funny thing about this stuff, because you never know what's going to come back for what reason. And so it's kind of like buy what you like. And I thought they were cute. They were fun to give away as well. I actually have a bunch of crypto corgis as well. It was at a hackathon project yeah. and they launched them. And I just bought a bunch like that day. Presumably, I still have them all in my wallet. I, I mean, OK, blame, blame fucking Stani. Stani was all no, actually, yeah, he tweeted it. He yeah. was in the hackathon as well and tweeted it right after. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and we ended up like just buying shit tons of them, but they're they're cute. And you know what? That eight bit pixel thing, you know, is cool. 
So I think I think those might come up, come around again. <laughs> One day, there's enough uh, bag holders the, out the, there. The, yeah, those crypto maybe. corgis are common. God damn it! <laughs> yeah. One day. Well, uh, so you bring up a good point. I mean, like presumably you're just opening up your EtherScan and checking out your recent transactions. Having yeah. a NFT fund, all of these transactions are on the blockchain. Mm-hmm. So if somebody knows the fund's address, mm-hmm. and maybe it's not mm-hmm. like I, I just should have looked in before. I mean, it's, but, it's, um, it's, it's just called the non-fungible fund. And you can look at nff underscore dot ETH. And, so so yeah. you guys are public and transparent about this. So, but yeah, but it, with, with market moving potential buys, I mean, are you worried about people monitoring it and front running no. it or no because i mean by the time we're in you know we've, we've already made the buy and some of the bigger positions are actually you know investments into companies that we believe in that we think are going to be great companies and so no i mean and again you know with collectible if we were a fund that traded nfts you know a trading fund i mean we're not because i really i have art you know i have art at home and, you know, I don't go out and sell my art every single day. Hey, guys, here's a Richard Prince. Let's sell that today. You know, so it's like, why would we treat this any differently? If we're collecting something because we like an artist and where that artist comes from, we're going to stick to it for the most part. Now, we have sold before. It would be a total bullshit if I said, you know, we hadn't done that. But we've, we've sometimes covered the cost basis depending upon how big the buy was. But we've done pretty significant. And then we calmed down a little bit because the market just felt a little bit off. But now it's coming back kind of in a different way. So that's the exciting part is just kind of all the new projects that are coming. Yeah, fascinating. It, it, it's, a, it's a crazy world. I mean, with pseudo- pseudonymous people and open public transparent blockchains, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a whole nother like, variable to think about as a fun. Was like, I, I mean, I just think you own X percent of the supply of some collectible and then yeah. start unloading because you have a capital call or whatever, but you know, you still might be bullish on that. But if somebody's monitoring that and you could see it as a negative, it's just a whole nother, whole nother thing. And, and full disclosure, I believe you know, this sort of transparency would be a net good for all these funds. But look, I mean, we're fortunate. I, I think, you know, we're, we're able to deploy in projects that we want to deploy in is the whole purpose of having a fund that continues to grow and continues to build. And, you know, the transparency, look, I think if a hedge fund bought fine art, they probably have it on display somewhere. So, you know, how's it any different on the collectible side? You should be able to see what you've invested in as an LP. Yeah. I mean, talk about perfect transparency for the LPs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, why, why we, not? And why not? Yeah. You know, I can't worry about bad actors. You know, I can't worry about people that are going to take advantage of those positions. I mean, people do that. And I just have to, like, keep my side of the street clean and know why I'm doing something. Do I want to support an artist? Do I want to support the work? Or do I just love the work? Or, you know, obviously, we're fiscally responsible and we're doing this to make money. I mean, that would be bullshit if we didn't say that. And, and there are advantages that we see because we're early. And I think it's harder to front someone who is early. And that's the point, you know, being in the space so deeply and being early, that's where our advantage comes from. Yeah, 
speaking I mean, of like knowing guys like you, I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. the point, right? It's like when we talk about a project that you may or may not be involved in, you're not telling me because I'm going to go make that investment necessarily, but it doesn't mean I don't have the information. Yeah, totally. I am thinking about this. I mean, because we are so early and we're so deep into this, I meet a lot of people, smart investor friends that, you know, recognize that there's probably something there in NFTs. They want exposure. They probably don't want to throw the minimum required for some of these funds. What sort of advice do you give somebody who's just, you know, air quote, wants to invest in NFTs for the first time? I mean, it's simple. You know, it's like making any investment for the first time. You know, what, what's your risk tolerance? And don't spend more than you can afford. And take a number and probably divide it down further as you're getting exposed to this. I mean, I know I've been doing it a long time, but I still mess up. You know, I still send things off. At, well, not too often anymore, but I still mess things up. I mean, I got to tell you, yesterday I was doing something with my ledger and it was a pain in the ass. Like it was not connecting and it wasn't functioning. So it's like, go slow, do the easy things first, you know, get a Coinbase and a MetaMask and start there <laughs> and do it with an amount of money that you can afford to lose, you know, do it 50 bucks, do it with a hundred and yes. see where it goes, you know, do it for a thousand. I mean. Yes. What, my set my second eight you know i bought for a thousand there's a lot of cool things you can buy for a thousand and it's like do the research be part of communities because you know i always talk about how well my 14 year old nephew's done but what i don't talk about often is he's been embraced by the community the small brains arbitrary community it's really amazing actually and i don't help him i don't even talk to him but he's like figured out this way to to really be connected with these projects and he knows more more about them than i do because that's what young people do is they get you know they're part of something and for me it was music i always go back and think about richard branson in london and you know before virgin really ever launched it was just a bunch of guys in the store listening to music smoking weed and beanbags and this is just another version of that. It's these kids, or even older than kids, you know, meeting each other in, you know, an immersive environment using an Oculus Quest. <laughs> it's the same thing, just different. No, totally valid. But I guess, I, I guess kind of double clicking, I'm not gonna let you out that easy on the getting involved. I mean, people understand it get a little amount they want to put in but starting the research process mm -hmm. a lot of my friends just end up on the open sea homepage and they're like eh. i don't know what to do here, that's not man. that's not the way i would do it i mean you know for lack of a better you know idea let's say i like fashion you know i would go into twitter and put fashion nft see what comes up start reading put my interests in it's going to take you to the NFTs that are out there and it's going to be connected to your interests and that'll make it more real for you. And that's how you learn when you see something you want, because, you know, if you're into fashion and you happen to like Gucci, well, then there's a Gucci NFT. You're going to read about it. You're going to learn quicker. So then you might go to OpenSea to see what's for sale on a secondary or see a drop coming. So that's the way I would do it.
Yeah, that makes sense. I, I mean, a lot. Yeah, of it didn't seem just... like that impressed you. Ben yeah. was not yeah. impressed by that yeah. answer. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, you know what? It's, it's not it's fair, hard. Ben. Ben, I, ben no. you've been doing this a while, okay? <laughs> you know, just because you can, like, you know, call up, you know, <laughs> Vitalik and ask him what NFTs he likes. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> lot, lot of the, a lot of these kids can't. So there, you have to start somewhere that's digestible. They understand Twitter. You can't just, you know, immediately take them down the rabbit hole. You know, maybe maybe that's my issue. I just, you know, have to yeah. Spartan kick them right down the rabbit yeah. hole. Whether they yeah, go, go take them not. straight to optimism. <laughs> yeah, take them straight to optimism. See how that works out. Yeah, we're you just know? gonna cross chain. Then we're gonna put it yeah. here. Then we're gonna use it as collateral because yeah. we don't want to sell it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to remember that that most of the, the people out there who spend less time at this, there has to be that transitional digestible way to do it, you know, and, and not every buzzword is Solana. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Well, Les, this has been awesome. We'll just wrap up the podcast portion. Where can listeners find out more about you, the fund? Where would you like to send them? I never really thought about that. I guess Twitter is the best place and I got to be better about answering, but that, that, you know, that it's Twitter until it's lens. <laughs> yeah. Right. Wait, was that too deep? <laughs> well, most people went right over their head, but I got you. All right. Well, at least you got me. And well, I mean, you've got the Twitter, the verified check mark. So hopefully that, that carries over to whatever decentralized alternative we end up on. I doubt that it will. <laughs> Thanks, Les. Really appreciate it, man. There you have it. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate your support. Show notes, transcript, links, and more can be found on our website at altassetallocation.com. If you'd be so kind, please share this with anyone you think might be interested or get some value from this conversation. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out. I'm always happy to hear them. Lastly, if you're on YouTube, please like the video or subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to the audio version of this, please subscribe to the podcast and or leave a review. This really helps more people find the podcast and I really appreciate it. Thanks again and hope you have a fantastic day. Happy investing.